Hi, and welcome to the first episode of We Like the Idea, a podcast where the ill-conceived notions of four lifelong perfect friends come together and come alive. For better or for worse, it's for your entertainment. Today we take our first steps into the land of Haith, a beautiful land full of nice animal folk where nothing ever goes wrong, money isn't real, and capitalism can't hurt you. It's a very new system for us. We're playing Wander Home, which is designed by J Dragon, which you can get at possumcreekgames.gov or .ru, potentially .ca. It's a game of collective storytelling. There is no DM here. There is no strength stat. No one's going to be rolling for initiative. Uh, we're going to be describing pretty places, traveling along pretty roads, and meeting pretty people. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll find a way to make it really sad. Uh, our character backstories kind of already address that a little bit. I think it probably makes a lot of sense to start with going around the table, introducing yourself as you feel comfortable, and briefly describing your character. Who wants to start? I can go ahead and kick us off. Uh, I no, am... there's no kicking here. Also, you I... have no legs. You're a snake. I Spoilers. Can sl- I can slither us off. Uh, I'm Nicholas Acosta. I tend to be, uh, so far, it seems that I'm probably going to tend to be the DM of these things, but this will be my first time being a player in quite some time for something, hopefully, long form. But I am going to be playing Brand, a hognose snake the length of an anaconda. And I'm going to be using the playbook, The Veteran. Uh, I wield on me, uh, metaphorically, a sword that I can use to instantly kill anyone in front of me. But as soon as I use it, cannot play this character anymore. Uh, and I'm also taking, I've am also taken multiple vows, uh, according to my character, to not use the sword and never unsheath it. Why don't you, um, for the audience, Nicholas, uh, give us one of those um, kind of character dichotomies you have, like two things you've forgotten and one thing that you remember, or one of those things, because I think those are really interesting things about the playbook in this game. One of the things that I have to choose for this character is three lessons, two that I've forgotten and one that I remember. For the ones that I have forgotten, there I should read the actual versions of them because they're very well written in this game, made by J Dragon, correct? Do, do, yes, do. that is correct. Shout out Jay Dragon for making one of the most beautiful games I've ever read, by the way. It is gorgeously beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure my praise means a lot to you. One of the lessons I have forgotten is that a sobbing and hurt young child taught me that a single slice kills not only the enemy, but everyone who loved the enemy as well. And this is why I must never unsheath my blade. A second lesson I learned, which we have re-rolled a little bit to be from uh, uh, one of the players, actually. Oh, hold on. Let me do the other one first. The other one I've forgotten because I'm silly. I saw in the eyes of someone I thought was heroic in this uh, situation being my father, the fate that awaits everyone who only knows violence. This is why I must never unsheath my blade. And the last lesson, the one that I choose to hold on to, a friendly old innkeep, which in this scenario was not an innkeep, but uh, the child of some uh, innkeepers, taught me that a well-made bed can save more lives than an army of warriors ever could. And this is why I must never unsheath my blade. And that's sort of the really poetic thing about the veteran is that you have this blade that is so powerful, uh, but you must never unsheathe it. Uh, And if you do, you are completely capable of killing anything that stands in your way, and then your character is retired from the game immediately, Uh, which I think is a really kind of poetic way to to hint towards a a violent past, uh, but but not indulge in a violent present, uh, which I think is really... Kind of the beauty of this game is that, you know, in the in the book itself, there's that line that 
there was a war that recently ended, but there is not war here anymore. This is a land of fundamentally good and and uh, just chill folks, you know? And we love that. Some things that I sometimes am are beautiful and cold. And things that two things that I refuse to ever be is furious and heartless. Character is, like I said, a snake. Uh, not any sort of convenient snake in some cartoon. I am a whole no limb having snake. He's Slytherin. Uh, I am Slytherin. Not the uh, Harry Potter thing. Get out of here. I am likely a couple hundred feet long. Uh, I'm a long. Sorry, a couple boy. hundred feet long. <laughs> How, what is the length what? of an anaconda? Is, is, I don't think it's a couple hundred feet. Is it not? I, I can swear it is. So. Hit Google, my guy. Listen, we're about to Google this because I'm very curious about the length of an anaconda. While Nicholas Google's the length of an anaconda who don't want none unless you got buns, hun. Uh, let's move on uh, to one of the other players at the table. Who wants to go next? I can go next. All right. First, uh, if you would like to, feel free to introduce yourself and then you can talk about your character. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, my name is Bree and I am going to play, be playing Chamomile, a.k.a. Cammy. She is a black cat peddler. And uh, let's She see. is a black cat who peddles, not a peddler of black cats, to be clear. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, you don't sell your cats. you don't sell your own people into slavery. <laughs> oh, no, that's. I don't like that. Not in this world. That's a different no. campaign. Just kidding. That's not in any type of campaign that we're interested in running. She is accompanied by her uh, adopted golden retriever brother. Uh, he is younger, so he's my little bro, but he's twice my size. And what I peddle is honey, wool, tea, and books. So items of comfort. Uh, let's see. What's your uh, brother's name? Saffron. So we call him Saff. Very cute. And let's see. Hit me with some some R's and aren'ts. Okay, she is uh, extrovert and watchful, and mine was need to be, and so she needs to be experienced and calculating. I like that. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we move on? Uh, let's see. I've got a a keepsake from a. From a past uh, with the Rebellion, uh, she's got a wilted orchid uh, from her time helping the Rebellion deliver secret messages in the books that she would sell. Oh, one thing she lost a long time ago was a map leading to wealth beyond anyone's imagination given to by an old friend who has now disappeared. So yeah, one of the one of the things that's left kind of wide open is what exactly the conflict was that has recently kind of wrapped up. Um, and there's a lot of prompts about uh, being tied to a rebellion, uh, which we'll get to a little more when we get to my character, I suppose. But yeah, for now, uh, we haven't really done a lot of deep world building because I feel like leaving blanks is probably the best way to start with this sort of thing, as it often is. But we have very broadly characterized a rebellion um, in a very classic sense of, you know, the oppressor uh, being defeated by the oppressed. It's a happy ending, basically. Uh, the rebellion won. The bad guys are not doing bad guy things no more, and the world is a nice, happy place. So where a normal fantasy series might end is where we're picking up, I think, is a is a nice way to put that. It's it's, it's very nice. I'm 32 feet long. I See, now that's, that sounds, that's, a, that that's sounds more right. manageable. That sounds a little bit better. That's like, more manageable. But yeah, uh, Brand has on him hidden armor, which in this scenario... Uh, for me, is just that his scales are significantly harder than people expect them to be. Mm. Um, I think he's covered in many scars, though. Uh, I think there's a lot of marks. 
Uh, he has a torn standard. Uh, he also has a nervous uh, tick, which is when he is nervous, he will kind of grin in a very, you know, imagining a snake grinning isn't pleasant. Um, and his tongue keeps forking out, even though he doesn't need it to. On top of that, uh, that's important for Brand. He was part of the oppressors. He was King's guard to the oppressors. And somewhere along the lines, he learned that he was on the wrong side. Um, and somewhere along the way, maybe we'll do a world building episode where we give these oppressors like cool names and right. we give us even cooler names and it's all very poggers. Exactly. Um, yeah. I like the idea that our characters literally tell you like uh, brand your forking. And he's just like, God, that's great. Forking. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I can't help it. I, I, I saw a pretty girl. I saw a pretty snake girl. <laughs> Uh, moving along then. Hold on, wait. Oh, you got more? Yeah, I want to describe the sword because we spent a lot of work on that. And I think that's cool. What if we describe that in play? Okay, that works for me. That's, that's, I want to leave, I want to describe some of the character, but leave, leave some for play. Cause I think that, that works that's, for me. that's going to be good. Cause we're gonna be doing a lot of descriptions. Um, Ash, tell me a little bit about your character. I am Noodle. I'm a ferret and I work as a moth tender. Carrier moths travel across the hate, bringing news, letters, and tiny boxes. I wandered the land, keeping an eye on those moths and their towers. So you're a you're a, a moth postal worker. Yeah, I love it. I'm a male ferret. <laughs> but um, what are your pronouns? Noodle is a he. Noodles a he. Oh, that's interesting. One of the things that is kind of refreshing about this game is that it does ask you to uh, state pronouns for your characters. So, uh, Nick, I assume he, I am, I am Brand assuming is, Brand that is Brand's a, a he him. Brand is a he they. Oh, I like that. Yeah, Dan's Brand a, is he, a he, he they. they. Uh, yeah, my character is uh, a he him uh, for whatever that matters for uh, him. Cammy's uh, a she. Cammy's a she. Okay, tell me, uh, give me some of those cool dichotomies about your character, the, you know, a thing you are and aren't, or a thing you have and lost, and they're different for each playbook, which is really rad. They're, they're very personalized. Two things my job expects me to be is calm and proper. I am actually cheerful and curious. That's very good. I devote my life to protecting the wisdom of my caring adoptive mother, who reminded me to always be myself. My mother is a kangaroo, so I've picked up some traits from her. And I have a decoder for the secret moth-tending cipher, an ancient relic gifted by my mentor, which is in danger of falling apart. See, now that's that's the this is where we're going to get into sad territory very quickly, uh, which is good because that's uh, that's where we're strong. That's where we're comfortable. I think I think the the experiment of this campaign is going to be us continuously walking each other back from cliffs going like, no, 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 not not in this one. Not in this one. In this one, it, it works out well. Ashley, is there anything else you want to share about your character before we move along? What color is the fur? What did you settle on? I think I went with black and white. Aww. Black and white fur. I love it. Little, Little skunk ferret. My ferret wears a well-worn moth-tending uniform and small little reading glasses. He usually has a satchel full of papers with a map of local towers, and he carries a shining lantern and a telescope. Yeah, that's another thing that's really nice about this game is that it gives you choices to 
select for your look um, that are more than cosmetic. I mean, they're going to play um, some part in in the game. So actually, before we move on to my character, um, Nick, did you describe Brand's look no, much? Go I ahead totally. and hit me with that. Uh, the way he looks? Yeah, his look. Uh, I hit him with like the looks that I'm able to choose. So oh, okay. I did, like the hidden armor, many scars, uh, nervous tongue flick, and then okay. the torn standard, which is a standard that bears my family's emblem. Okay, um, cool. But I did not describe how Brand actually looks, which uh, I'm going to say Brand looks a lot more like a reticulated python. I think he is that very bright, effervescent green. Uh, and I think he has like those really bright blue uh, outlines of triangles along his back. Mm, um, I like that. Because I love that image. And I think his eyes are just that like solid yellow um, with the iris uh, there as just that regular black iris. But yeah, I think that's what Brand looks like. He's covered in scars. Uh, I actually think he has his only his left eye. I love that. Um, I think Brand only has his left eye. And we do. I do have a notable scar that is different from the rest but we'll talk about that more as we characterize later down do you think you have a missing eye like eye patch style or do you think it's one of those like your eye was cut and it's sort of like grayed over it's i think it is cut uh i don't think it's even grayed over i think i literally just keep it closed keep it shut i like yeah, that That's i think cool. it's just cut uh shut and there's like um Ooh, I think it's a rake from where I got this weapon. Uh, sure. I think that's part of that battle. And I, uh, there's a really large cut there. And I don't think it was from who I was fighting. I think it was from something else, which I'll describe later. Having some insider info on that, I, I am excited to hear about that. Yeah. Green guy covered in scars. And I think wherever I have scars along my body, it's like that like pinky flesh almost, like underneath the scales, what they would be. Mm. Um which is fun. I like to imagine the way I like the way that my character looks in my mind. Brianne, what is a cami look like uh she's a black cat she wears a uh, very big cozy looking dress a uh, very big hat and uh her brother saffron is going to be in very uh simple clothes he's he's a teenager so he's you know, big tall and goofy and uh always smiling so uh, before we um started play we had talked about saffron being legitimately like quadrupedal like a like a nor like a normal dog quote unquote um i, I changed my mind you think that. we're gonna do bipedal yeah he's just he's he's just the muscle <laughs> you th yeah you think he's just like he just has like a really big backpack on yes with all your yeah. stuff like rolls and packs and stuff i love that oh, yeah he's like twice my size i i can't i can't carry all that yeah no of course not and he's like but could you carry some and you're like no what it's like i'll carry this and i pick up like a box, like a little tiny box. <laughs> I almost like that. I wonder if Brand helps out Saffron every now and then. Because for Brand, he's slithering across the ground. He's got all this length. I'm sure if you just put some of that in his midsection, he's not going to mind. Um, <laughs> put it far enough back that I do not notice. Yes. And I wonder if like that's part of the game with us. He plays with Saffron of like trying to tell when Saffron puts something on him. If you can sneak it on, I will ferry it for you. Yeah, I think I literally I, have that conversation But with woe Saffron. to he who is discovered. I can imagine Saffron having this big goofy grin when he puts something on your back and he thinks you don't notice. And he's just like got this little mischievous smile and like a little giggle. But it's so obvious and you can right. obviously hear it, but you just play along with it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think um, Brand is a very like he is that grizzled veteran. Um, he's trying to find the beauty in the world that he feels like he's lost. Um, he's trying to learn how to forgive himself. So yeah, I think a lot of his interactions are trying his best to be happy and find moments to enjoy what Haith has to offer that he didn't know. 
Um, he needed to get beyond the borders that he trapped himself in. I, like I love that. that. I lo- oh, I said I love it. So <laughs> you just like it, I guess. Well, I mean, that's the name of the podcast, right? Oh, who's older? You or you? Is Saffron the younger? He's the younger one. By how much? I'm thinking at least several years. I'm imagining okay. him in. He he's in that like really lanky puppy phase where they grow <laughs> really big, but they have so much energy of a puppy. Right. So I I have to kind of like try to you know keep him from getting into too much trouble. He's in the gangly noodle stage. Well, part of the cool <laughs> thing that's cool fun to imagine, right, is like you're a cat and you only get as so big, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if very early on in his development uh, throughout this stuff he'll just get significantly bigger than you oh he absolutely um, will if he is not already just bigger than you i think he's definitely already bigger than her but i think he will get significantly bigger yeah it's funny to just imagine that relationship with him looking down like oh, i'm sorry big sis you know <laughs> i imagine her like you know not with the claws but she does the little like nose tap like like no yeah. like no <laughs> patting him on the with your pads your little pods mm-hmm. little toe beans toe beans Toe beans. <laughs> toe beans or not toe beans? <laughs> that is, is the, the question. question. So we have Quaction. noodle. Are we talking and then we're just missing one introduction now. Yes, me. It is I. Hi, I'm Dan. Um, self-imposed host of this podcast, apparently. Uh, and I play um, Davold, who is the firelight. Spread are he, him. And he's a little finnick fox. He's very cute, very big old ears. Um, he wears a wide-brimmed hat that covers his eyes. Um, and yes, all of you who are picturing this, his ears definitely do stick out of holes in the hat. Um, how could they not? He walks with a reliable wooden staff with a lantern hanging from um, over top of like kind of like a crook. It's like a shepherd sort of thing. And a, a strewn upon his back is a well-loved guitar I think that was a, a family heirloom, perhaps, that has the, the like, pick guard is missing and, like, the, the body of the guitar is scratched up and there's loose bits of extra string hanging from the, the tuning pegs. And it is it is one of those guitars that looks like shit and sounds the best. It's, uh, it's great. Um, and he carries with him also a small, a book of small rituals, um, which I really like because I like the idea that there's just, like, little bits of magic in this world nothing crazy but like you know you do a ritual to the right forgotten god maybe your campfire burns easily tonight or maybe uh you know you eat what you have but you go to bed with a full stomach regardless uh something like that it's very nice um the cool thing about the firelight is that they have with them a uh, firefly um who helps guide them and others along the path both figuratively and literally. And so my firefly is named Jacob and I got to choose how we met. Um, and I choose that we grew up together. So he's been with me since I've been a little boy, little, little Fox boy. Um, and they are, uh, Jacob is anyway, caring and honest. And then I guess to end, I will do the, I am, and I am not kind of thing, which for the firelight is I try to be, and I know I can't be. Um, so I try to be there for everyone and I try to be enough. Uh, and I know I can't be endlessly patient, and I can't be everywhere at once, uh, which I feel like is a very nice dichotomy for a for a young man who has, uh, as Nick uh, tastefully described, a little bit of a savior complex. So yeah, uh, those are our characters. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about the sort of bonds we have with each other? Uh, yeah, I'm totally down. Sure. 
I think, uh, yeah, I think as briefly as we can, maybe, yeah, um, we can just go quickly through um, the questions that we had asked each other and what those answers were. Uh, before we get into that, actually, I should I should explain one of the really cool things about Wander Home character creation is that you're asked to ask a question to the person to your left and the person to your right um, that kind of characterizes your character, their character, and their relationship. Uh, but because we at uh, we like the idea or a little extra, we went ahead and asked everybody a question. There's just four of us, so we asked one extra question. Uh, we pray for Jay Dragon's forgiveness, um, but uh, we just can't help ourselves. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, Nick, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, Brand uh, is a veteran, so he asked questions from the veteran playbook. Uh, and I will start off with the question I kicked off, which was towards uh, DeWald. DeWald, sorry. I, I'm getting into my, the jokey way I'm going to make fun of his language. Yes. Um, uh, DeWald, I asked, when did DeWald learn that I was a good person? Uh, and we considered it that maybe one day when we were camping, uh, DeWald woke up and for the first time, uh, either the first time or in a rare occasion, Jacob was not next to him uh, in bed. And when he came out of his tent, I was sat there at the fire poking these uh, wood so that it would create little firelights for Jacob to look at. And I was essentially coiled up in my own tail and cuddling up next to Jacob because I had just woken up from a pretty bad dream. And we've described Jacob as someone who truly understands character, probably better than most, uh, very much to that sort of degree that we ideally hold dogs to. Yeah, exactly. And so it, because of our grinding history uh, with one another and the sides we represented during the war, we may have had a tumultuous relationship at the start. But after seeing Jacob trust me to that degree, how could Devold not trust Brand as well? And I think, you know, we had talked about we had a moment there where um, something that's interesting or or worth knowing, I guess, maybe about Devald, it'll definitely come up and play because it'll be described constantly, is that um, Devald is always smoking. Um, he always has a cigarette hanging from his lips. Um, snout? Mouth? I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fox. He is. Uh, <laughs> and there's a little backstory behind this pack of smokes that he keeps pulling from, but we can talk about that in play as it comes up. Um, and I, I think that uh, he and Brand, who smokes from a pipe, uh, shared a smoke together that night and, and just sort of talked about the war and, and the mistakes that they had both made and the, the folly of conflict and, and, and that sort of thing. The idea that, you know, anybody is truly on an opposite side, I think, uh, is something they probably discussed. Um, and so, yeah, since then... We've been good, and, and and I think another thing that's like so worth talking about with this system is, in another system, in, in a D and D or a dungeon world or you know any sort of other role play system, I think Nick and I would have chosen to role play that tumultuous relationship, uh, because conflict is good, right? Conflict is interesting, but <laughs> I think uh, I think this game asks you to to look at the bright side of things and and imagine that that part is done and that well, yeah we're we're friends here, uh, so I I love that. Um, Go on and, and continue, Nick. Uh, the next question I had was for Noodle and that player. And I started with, what craft have you been teaching me? Uh, and this is a little bit to do with uh, Noodle's backstory that I, I think she mentioned, which Noodle's decoder is going into ruins. And I think at some point, Brand uh, was starting to feel pretty bad because it's stressful for a, a moth 
uh, what are they called? A moth, moth tender. A moth tender to be losing the decoder that helps them communicate with the moths. Uh, and I think I went up to her and like, hey, you know, teach me, teach me about the decoder. Just talk about the pages and I'll do my best to help you memorize them. So that way when we can get it on new uh, medium, maybe you don't have to be the only one forced to remember everything and I can help you with that. Um, and then when it started with that, but every time we do it, Noodle's always cooking. And I think at some point it also turned into cooking lessons for Brand. So Brand is trying to learn how to make pasta, but Brand struggles because he doesn't have hands and all of uh, Noodle's stuff <laughs> stuff has like two hand handles and we've had to learn how to get past that. Uh, so I'm learning how to decode moth language that I don't understand at all. And I'm also learning how to cook, which I'm really bad at because I tend to just eat things live. He's just trying his best. But yeah, that's my relationship with Noodle. And then the final question I asked towards Chamomile, uh, which was, what do I still need to learn from you? And we settled on that really quickly uh, and really somberly, uh, which is I Chamomile is teaching me how to forgive myself uh, because of what side I stood on the war, because of the events of some things that happened in my past. Uh, and just because of the nature of being someone who comes from war, it's a hard lesson to learn to let that go and forgive yourself. And Chamomile is helping me learn that. It's still something I struggle with. Uh, and that is my relationships with everyone. I love that. It's very warm. Mm -hmm. and good and yeah. great goodness uh we can follow the same order if you'd like brianne you want to talk yeah. about your uh entanglements with the rest of the players so the uh the question i had for ash was how do i decompress and she had the cute idea that i need uh the wool that i sell and in and uh, while I'm kneading, I'm making patterns in it. So I'm making blankets and stuff with really intricate patterns, but I'm needing it to also decompress and de-stress. And another one was, how do we start? How did we start traveling together all those years ago? And I asked this question to Brand's player. She offered Brand protection from the cold one night when she uh, discovered him outside. And uh, invited into her family's inn for the night and uh, showed him some simple comforts of home. You know, a nice cup of tea, the fire, soft blankets. We didn't talk about this, but I wonder if that was shortly after you deserted. That was exactly what we talked about. Okay, well, cool. We talked about this yeah. when you weren't in the room before, but yeah. Um, uh, essentially, uh, Noodle helped me to have the documents to uh, actually break away from my family. Uh, and then after that breakaway, I didn't have anywhere to go. And the only place I remembered was helping Noodle deliver this letter to this inn. And so I stayed the night in front of the inn. And thankfully, Chamomile recognized me from delivering that letter so many years ago and allowed me to come in. And after that, I kept, um, in quotation marks, forgetting that I was still holding on to their cup and bringing it back the next day to like, oh, I, I took your cup, I'm sorry. And they would invite me in for tea again for the night. And yeah, it was uh, that, it was that relationship of, um, I didn't know. And I was ultimately incredibly comfortable here. Um, and I think we talked about that lesson of like an innkeeper teaching me. And I wonder if instead of that being you, I wonder if that was actually your parents who taught me that helping people is ultimately going to matter significantly more than serving in an army. Yeah. I could imagine you having a conversation with, uh, Cammy's mom one night saying like, you know, your daughter's been so good to me and so kind to me. And her mom is like, that's nothing. That's just what we do. 
it's it's what it means to be alive and and to be a person and be a a community member is to take care of people and so like the fact that that's out of the norm for you is is sad and i'm sorry about that you know hey you know parents are parents in my situation and i come from a a long line of violence like a very different background yeah um and then also just briefly uh because i would be one of these people for those who don't know what kneading is for a cat brianne would you like to describe that uh, kneading is the, um, if you notice sometimes a cat, when they find something soft, they will. Muffins. Yes. It looks like they're kneading the dough, kneading muffin dough. <laughs> and uh, they push their paws into it and then retract their claws and uh, just goes back and forth. They often do that on uh, uh, with their mother as like a, uh, as a comfort or, uh, or like a sign that they trust you. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's really cute that she does that. And uh, back to the, uh, how did we start traveling together? So uh, I think that she was going to go, you know, on the road, sell her, sell her stuff. And uh, I think we had talked about that you had insisted on coming with me for protection. And uh, she kind of realized this was more for, what was it? What, What do we say? More for... More for brand's sake than yeah. for brand's sake. Here's an interesting question mm-hmm. that I didn't consider for our uh, relationship, but I am very interested in this. Mm-hmm. How old are you, I wonder? Um, because I wonder if, you know, we talked about this, the ending of the war being 10 years ago, but I wonder if the event with your family and stuff, I wonder if I've known you since you were younger. Uh, oh, maybe like not a like a child, but like definitely during the teens. Mm-hmm. And then like there is almost an obligation there. And maybe even I had a conversation with your parents about like, you know, look, well, I'll keep her safe, mm-hmm. you know, and I, they would know that I have the ability to, to do that. Oh, absolutely. I think they absolutely put trust in you that you, that you could keep me safe. I've just been bumming to. at their end for years. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think you've, you probably just been living there. Yeah, for absolutely. Some right? amount of time. Right. And yeah, I, yeah, I picture, I mean, I don't know, Brian, you can correct me here, but I picture, Cammy is like 18 or 19, like a um, maybe early 20s. Um, whereas I in picture human years or cat years, because that is going to make a big difference. Well, you know, human we, years. we keep things that in makes, human years for the convenience of our. That makes yeah. a lot more sense. <laughs> also, this is fantasy land. You could live to be a thousand. You know, yes. who, who cares? Uh, no one's dying. Okay. No one's dying yet. <laughs> See, I'm. we're already walking back from Cliff's brand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that's great. What's the last one? The last one is, what do you give me that I can't get anywhere else? And I had asked uh, DeWald this. Yes. And uh, your answer was guidance. Uh, I wrote, I get direction from him and I keep him grounded and remembering to enjoy the little things. Yeah, I think think we give each other something. um, And that, yeah, that something is that sort of... I think I described it as we keep each other on the path, uh, figuratively and literally, you know, the firelight by nature is a navigator, um, and, a you know, kind of a pathfinder. Um, but I think it's also very much meant to be more figurative and metaphorical as well. And I think in a world where, um, there's definitely a lot of lingering stuff. Stuff is a good way to put it. Yeah. That we're all, that we're all going through. Tension is one of the stuffs. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff with a capital S, uh, (laughs) There's a there's a need for that for a, a someone to reorient you, and I think that our little group is is very good about that, um, and and I love that. Uh, so 
Okay. Those were your three relationships? We got those? Yes. Easy. Fucking podcasting is so easy. <laughs> Just talking to a microphone. Anybody could do it. We're coming for you, Joe Rogan. So Noodle asked, Brand, why did I risk my job and career to help you? And I think you explained it better if you want to. Yeah, I can go over it if you'd like me to. Um, we had decided to characterize a moment in our past where the first, it's likely one of the first interactions of the group because this is way back when I was actually serving in the military, but starting to have doubts about my position. Brand came upon some guards that were hassling a moth tender, which is going to be viewed as in the country as a sort of a neutral force that it just delivers messages. And I think they were likely had the intentions of probably no good. And I think my character brand as Kingsguard uh, stepped forward, established his rank as like, you know, back down and, read the letter and essentially looked towards the garden just said it's for a sickly woman what you guys are doing is wrong be gone before i whatever um be gone before i unsheath my blade yeah you know at a time when his blade was unsheathed frustratingly often yes um don't make me bloody my blade again Mm, um it's very good it's hard to clean without hands (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I I think for a while, yeah, Brand said shit like that. That was just really intimidating, you know. Like, don't uh don't grant me the disservice and the inconvenience of having to clean my blade a third time today. Um, that's, that's good. And how do you hey how do you draw your blade, dude? How do I draw my blade? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we're getting way off track here, but I, I gotta know, thing, right? I think early on, um, again, I like to characterize this because I'm a snake. I think my blade was weapons in my mouth um, mm. as a king's guard. What I wield now is entirely different, and how I unsheath that is by wielding it within my tail. Um, and we'll talk about how I use it uh, once it's defined more. But once your character is retired from the game, and I've ta- I haven't mentioned this, but I guess now it's a good time to mention it for the podcast. Um, I am missing a teeth, uh, a tooth, one of my fangs, uh, and that is entirely because of removing the. I think part of removing. The weapons that were in my mouth had were I did it in such a violent way that one of my teeth went with it. Mm. Um, I think I literally ripped them out in disgust. Of, you you quite literally tore that part out of you. Yeah, yeah, I did not want that. Whatever my weapon of choice was, I truly imagine it as arming my teeth. Armed to the teeth is very on the nose here. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> on the nose, that. you uh, yeah on the hog nose uh, uh, yes. is uh, you want you were tired of having violence in you. Yeah. And you wanted it out. And that's that is part of why my character, one of the things he refuses to be is furious now. Yeah. Um, he regards that as just like an intent for violence and he doesn't want that in his life. Yeah. The, the relationship of you are sometimes cold, but you are never furious. Mm-hmm. Cold meaning uh, cold in demeanor, not in Uber. Yeah. Um, although we all get a little cold from time well, to time. I imagine. blooded too. But um, check it and see. But ultimately, yes, I stood in the way. I stopped the guards from hassling her. Uh, I even escorted her towards the building, which I think we talked about maybe even being a letter that was meant for Chamomile's uh, family in. And I got her to that building uh, and I turned away and just was happy that I managed to do maybe one good deed in a, good deed in a sea of many bad. So, And, you know, I think something that is a lesson that Brand will slowly learn, hopefully, and that uh, maybe everybody learns is that, you know, bad deeds do not wash away good ones you know they are they stand alone and so that good deed you know means as much as it means which is great 
Um, Ashley, keep going. What other uh, relationships do you have? I also asked Cammy, when did I realize that I could trust you? And that was, I saw a wilting orchard, uh, orchid, a wilting orchid in the window of her inn. And the orchid symbolizes the revolution, right? Yes, it is a symbol of the rebellion. I wonder, oh man, I wonder if the standard for the rebellion was an orchid. No, I was literally going to say, I think it may even be called, you can call it the Black Orchid Rebellion. Ooh. Are orchids black? No, but I think that in this scenario they are. And I, I wonder if the be. I wonder if the whole idea of like a wilting orchid is because it's dying and that's mm. the representation. Can they be black? I have no idea. I think they can. I uh, mean it's fantasy land. They can be whatever fucking color we want. It's that's pur- true, right? It's fucking purple with tinges of turquoise for all I care. Um black orchid just sounds cool. Here's that's a here's an important it. thing for all you nascent world builders out there. Anything can be anything, okay? And you can set boundaries as you need. Uh, set boundaries, but not in positions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Especially for things that that don't that don't matter. Uh, yeah, just let me proselytize for a second. Um, okay, awesome. And then last question. Last and most interestingly, because it involves me. Oh yes, certainly. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> um, I asked Devold, "What is it about my job that so appeals to you?" And um, Dan it's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's that it's so fucking cool and poggers. Um, we we absolutely stand the boys and girls in blue, uh, the guys, gals, and non-binary pals, uh, the only blue lives that matter, et cetera, et cetera. Support your local post office. Oh, is there? Oh, is your package a little late? Shut the fuck up. Um, anyway, that aside, that that completely non-politically charged statement uh, aside. Um, yeah, no, I think I think Devold and um, Noodle share a lot in common they're essentially both um guides and uh you know are are delivering parcels whereas uh you know whereas devold is delivering people to you know wherever it is that they need to get um and noodle is delivering uh, uh letters and mail and packages um it's it's a there's a similarity in that calling um, and also we both work with animals um that are are you know frustratingly independent uh whimsical individuals oh um something i want to take the time to characterize here which is for those listeners who don't know a lot about a wander home as a system um i'm sure you've picked up now that uh all of the things that exist that are sentient are tend to be animals um whether they're anthropomorphic or not uh, they are based on animals and the interesting part about that is we're talking about insects insects make up uh what to us as people out here are like the backbone of the workforce right Mm -hmm. uh bumblebees are like the animal the horse um, in this world and you have like things like things that do the land for farmers is like a rhinoceros beetle stag beetles are are, uh, for the peddlers art you know brianne characterized it as as her um cool adopted brother uh who's a dog but the the art for the um, peddler which is really cool is yeah a stag beetle with a bunch of wares on its back and i, I you know nick you burden type animal exactly beast of burden um and nick you had said you think you mostly eat live things yeah the ethics of which starts to get a little troubling when we're all animals and animals are sentient but we we can broach that as little as necessary i think i think yeah just bugs are animals so if you 
eat bugs. You're eat. It's no, like I think in this world, like you can, everything's omnivorous, right? We can eat whatever we want. Um, I think maybe uh, in my family, it was a point to eat live things. And I think now I'm a vegetarian. I think I make it a point to not eat meat anymore. I like that. I was, I almost suggested it that like maybe you're vegetarian now. I think I certainly am. I think as a show against like maybe as a, being a snake in this world, being a vegetarian is one of those things like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not looked great upon, but I very much like that, that I don't want to eat meat and I will just eat salads. I'm good with that. Maybe that's why you enjoy uh, me making pasta for you all the time. Right. I've never had to cook. And I think that's really cool. I have never had to cook. I could just eat uh, bugs or insects or, uh, other things maybe that were alive nice uh, and such yeah and now i'm having to learn how to cook because it turns out just eating the grass on the ground is not very flavorful it'll get me by though <laughs> the sunflower is crunchy but it lacks it lacks flavor yeah and I'm, i think every time you teach me to make something noodle i'm like and there's no meat in that right like it's i don't understand it like <laughs> and noodles like no of course not <laughs> like what do you mean it's like yeah but you called it like a broccoli steak and i didn't I just want to make sure, like, it wasn't. <laughs> it's impossible meat, That's okay? That's just the way it's cut. Yeah. You're it's not okay. serving me leaves, but there's no meat in it. How? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no vegetables in this dish. How could it possibly be vegetarian? Right, right. Um, um, very fun. Um, okay, radical. So we got your three relationships, did we, Ash? Yes. Okay, so now it is me. My favorite oh, part of the podcast. One second. I, I want to intercede. <sighs> Fine, um, dude. I, I did not technically <laughs> answer your question um, because I just described what led to us. I got you out of trouble. And I think the thing the, that you risked your job for was the actual question, which we forgot. to. Ah, mention. yes. Um, when I did eventually break away from my family, um, I think the uh, moth tenders had uh, a means uh, to sort of facilitate my removal from my own family. And that was you risking your job for me uh to repay that uh and that was why that's it i just wanted to make sure that was defined we love forging documents and such pretty much <laughs> um yeah okay cool tax so. fraud <laughs> what'd you say <laughs> tax fraud i mean listen noodle hasn't paid taxes in years <laughs> hey hey this is a utopia the irs does not exist there are no taxes okay you help people who need help it's just obvious. My, fam- my family really tried to make taxes a thing i'm and, sure they did and that's why i can get away with tax fraud <laughs> <laughs> okay so my guy what the hell what why did i forget how to talk when it became my turn uh yes my relationships um so the first one that i defined was uh nick brand um the question that was asked was why does my firefly like you so much why does why does jacob like you um and we very quickly landed on um he's a great judge of character like we talked about um, and I, I wrote it in a very flowery way, which is to say that Brand's being reflects kindness. Um, also, he plays with uh, Jacob by batting him around gently with his tail. And Jacob fucking loves that uh, <laughs> because I don't think Devald is very playful. Uh, he's nice and he's kind, but I think he's a sort of self-serious person mm-hmm. um, or maybe tends to be. I don't know. I don't want to characterize him too hard, uh, but I like the idea that that uh, Brand gives um Jacob something that Devold doesn't in that sort of playfulness. What I like about that though is like, I like that brand probably also isn't that playful, but he can't help it with yeah. someone, something like Jacob. Exactly. Like that's very, very much like childlike in that sense. Something else that is worth describing just because it's cute and worth knowing. Uh, I feel is that Jacob, he's a firefly. 
um, which are traditionally not very large. Um, and he sleeps during the day. This is described in the playbook. He sleeps during the day and he lights up at night uh, and is awake during the night, of course. Um, and I really loved uh, the idea that he is very small and kind of just sleeps on my shoulder uh, or maybe on the brim of my hat or on one of my big ears during the day. Uh, and that at nighttime he grows to be, you know, five times as large uh, and um, he, you know, can light up the whole path that we're on. Um, and often because Devold is a very small individual, uh, sometimes he rides upon Jacob's back like a little a little firefly hovercraft um, and Jacob gives him shit for it. I still haven't decided if Jacob talks or not. Um, so many of these things are sentient. Uh, I really like the idea and I know it's kind of like self importy but I love that only maybe only as a as a light person you can as a firelight I can a understand firelight, him. you can understand them yeah it's a it's a Han Solo Wookiee situation where you're like <laughs> is Wookiee a language right. does Han Solo just understand Chewbacca and like there's the whole thing where we talked about the um, decoder for moth tenders and I think that's very applicable to the same thing for yourselves yeah cool. Uh, so then I asked uh, Brienne, uh, I asked Cammie the question, yes. um, when did you or how did you um, bring me back into the light, uh, which is a very loaded question, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I think Brienne handled it quite well. I'd love for you to describe that to you if you remember. If not, I can read it off my, my sheet. Mm, let's see. I don't remember it specifically. I remember uh, the kind of essence of it was kind of reminding you to enjoy the little things. Uh, but I don't remember it specifically. Yeah, I think basically you kind of sat me down and you were like, dude, you're guiding everybody, but you're lost. Like, have a cup of tea and like read a book with me and just chill a bit. That's right. Uh, the importance of self-care. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You sat me down. You said, queen, got a self, put on the face mask, get your cucumber eyes. Is it cucumbers? Yes. All right, I almost said kiwi. That's not right. <laughs> no, that's <is> not right. <laughs> Welcome to my massage parlor. I'm going to put kiwis on your eyes. Why? Uh, see, Cammy would know. Isn't that isn't that what we do? Uh, yeah, and I think that's awesome. Chamomile is responsible for a lot of character development in this group. I agree, and I I, I love that she's uh, at the risk of sounding like she's mature for her age. Uh, she is wise beyond her years. I think. Well, that's really interesting because um. The playbook that describes being um, the fool mm-hmm. is that the things you say carry with it a tinge of naivety, but grand depth that can only be achieved through those lenses. Mm. Kind of like um, a hidden wisdom. Yeah, and that's the idea that I think your character portrays, right? That wisdom of things that adults forget. Yeah, I think it's, I was going to say something along the lines of, um, I think your wisdom is that you carry a perspective, specifically for Brand and for Devold, that we just haven't had enough of in our lives like you come from a very different background of hospitality and warmth and and care um whereas you know i think devald has been very self self-sacrificial um and brand has been very um you know steeped in servitude well yeah. also when you're when you're you know knee deep in war all the time you kind of like lose track of the little things it's like you need to just get done what needs to be done and because people's lives are at stake everything is so grand uh, yeah. yeah so it's like you know she comes from a place where you know she sees that stress that uh you know just the the sees it wear on people and you know tries to bring him 
back down. <laughs> yeah, I love which that. Makes, makes a lot of sense from just like, because we haven't fully characterized, but from the little we've defined your parents, it's like they're full of that infinite kindness that must uh, step back to that wisdom of just like knowing to do the right thing. And that has to wash off on you in a very marvelous way for a child to watch their parents do things like that. Absolutely. And I think she absolutely looks up to them because mm -hmm. of it. I think subtly, one of the things that uh, you peddle is <laughs> you're kind of a therapist a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Unintentionally, I think. I think it's just a, an effect that, that you have on people with, I mean, I think maybe that's part of your, your whole craft is like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm selling these these designs and these books and collections of tea to remind people to enjoy life and enjoy the, the smaller things. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, you might even say I like the idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then finally, uh, Noodle, I asked the deepest question, I think, which was, where did you ask me to guide you? and Or where do you wish I could guide you? And why can't I? And what we had decided on was that uh, Noodle wanted to go home and visit their, uh, their hometown uh, little village. Um, and it was only through, you know, guiding them along the path to that village that Devold started to see the sort of telltale signs of destruction and, uh, you know, uh, the sort of remnants of abandonment when people are evacuated from a village. And I think in another story, her family would have been killed. But I think in this story, there is a hope that they were evacuated and they're yeah. still alive somewhere. And I, I think that that's a story that we're more interested in telling. Um, so it's still quite sad, but there is a tinge of optimism there that, that they could be reunited someday. I mean, what's more powerful in this world than hope? Exactly. I have a very, um, I wonder almost that I'm using here, of uh, you guys know where this place is, right? And where she, she wishes for you to take her, but can't. I wonder if you guys haven't even stepped into the village for fear of what you'll find. Uh, and maybe some of that journey still has to happen at some point of like stepping into the village and seeing if what's there. That's not bad. Yeah, I could definitely I like see Devald having a frank conversation with Noodle wherein they grow a lot closer mm -hmm. where he basically tells him, I can take you to where your village is, but it's not there. Like, yeah. I, I, I know what the signs are. I've seen this too many times. We can go if you want, but if you're not ready we don't have to. We right. can go somewhere else. And that's one of the really cool things um, also about this system is that right at the front, they give you tools for your exploration. And they're, they're a collection of phrases that, you know, are sort of all within that lines and veils and um, X's sort of thing that, uh, you know, deals with role play safety and, and community respect and stuff like that. And we don't really have too much trouble with that uh, in our personal group because we're all kind of... Uh, respect each other well sure not only that but i, I think that we we <laughs> never good really people? huh we're good people sure all that great <laughs> stuff that makes us awesome people uh but more so that it never comes up really because we sort of operate in the same sphere uh mentally and emotionally um oh, and see. so lines are never really even broached let alone crossed with us um not to brag we're just like we just get each other yeah we're just cool like that yeah we're just like meant to be um i mean we've been friends for how long so yeah wow. exactly but uh, some of the tools are these phrases, and one of the phrases is "Let's do this instead," or "Do we want to?" And I I really like the idea of Devold looking at Noodle and saying like, "Do we really want to do this? Like we can do something instead." Um, and they did maybe. 
Um, and ultimately, I'll leave that decision up to Ash because that is her character that would have made that decision. So if, if it's more interesting to you, Ash, that we have not actually seen your village proper, um, then we'll do that. But if you want to have made that choice to step forward and, and you have seen the ruin of your village, then that is something also that we can do. It's uh, totally up to you. Yeah, I'm okay with have seen, have already been seen. Have, yes. Having already seen it? Yes. Okay, so we <laughs> did make that step forward. And see, that's that's an important thing to know. Um, and I think maybe there were things there that gave some vague clue as to where her family might be, something that gives hope. Like, you know, the place is abandoned and the house is burnt out, but the closets are empty. There yeah. are no clothes there. Um, you know, the there's no silverware in the, there's no, you know, I don't know, tableware in the in the cupboards. I also um, wonder because uh, we uh, the way the moth tender stuff works, right? There's that there's towers places for the mods. Um, I wonder if she has like the collection of like all of the letters from that tower to try and find something, and maybe that's, that's something she does. I wonder how often she checks those towers. He, excuse me, um, <laughs> Ash and and Noodle melding into one. Uh, I wonder how often he checks those towers for any sort of word uh because yeah that's because he's still got a job to do okay i think we've done it i think we have described our characters we've described our relationships to each other um something that might be worth go uh kind of ending on is um what i really love about the way that the playbooks end which is uh describing things that we can always do um, and so we'll go around the table and read those. Uh, so Nick, I would love for you to start. Yeah. Let me go ahead and kick us off with the things that, um, the veteran can always do. Uh, and these are in like a mechanical sense, right? These are like the skills you have proficiency in 5e in and, in dungeon world, these are your moves. Um, these are just something that like irrefutably, uh, in your own narrative, because again, it's like a round Robin style of narrating, are things you can say you always have ready and loaded that you can do. It is um, your it is your innate nature, so to speak. Right. And for me, that is repeat a calming phrase, which I'm sitting on on what it is. I'm very interested to figure out what I'm going to do for that. Uh, spend time practicing a craft you're not very good at, which I think I often <laughs> I am often teaching myself how to cook when Noodle is busy. Yes. Uh, or maybe too deep in a letter and having a bit of um, a, a rough time. I can always drum against the pommel of my blade, uh, which I think is actually, and I really like this idea that it like has some level of decoration. And I wonder if drumming is literally just shaking my back and it makes like a small jingle or maybe, <laughs> like or maybe even the way the air moves through it mm. creates like a nice little like melody. Ooh, I really like that. That's very strong. Yeah, uh, and I, I think like I like that. the wind making a melody out yeah, of it. Yeah, the, the breeze blows through it, and it's like wind chimes. Yeah. Oof. Um, one of the things I can always do is leap to my feet, uh, which as a snake is very funny. But we have kind of characterized it as me being like the alert one of the group. You can uncoil, might be another yeah. way of of putting that. You know, I think I can essentially put my head where it needs to be within yeah. that thirty feet. You know, I can always say. I don't do that anymore. Um, I can always ask, what are you hiding? And last and certainly most impactful, I can unsheath my blade and immediately kill the person in front of me. And then I remove my character from the game. I cannot play them anymore. Those are the things I can always do. I love that. That, that last one is, 
I think what makes the playbook, right? It's what yeah. it, it is. It is the conceit of the entire playbook, which is that you are a warrior who must not kill. Uh, I am playing with the idea of, uh, and I kind of want to do this because it's one of the few things I can do. Kind of want to give him a Southern accent. Is that weird? Can you do a Southern accent, Nick? Not a great one, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm okay with that. So uh, something you can always do, uh, funnily enough, I actually didn't realize this was part of it. It was on a different page and I thought I was done. I know the, the way that the way that the playbooks are laid out, it definitely looks like you're done creating a character after two pages, but there's one more page. Uh, and uh, yeah, that confused me as well. Go ahead. So uh, I'm looking at a couple. Uh, one of them is know someone who can help. So mm. she can always know someone who can help. Uh, she can intensely examine something. Uh, sit down and do the math. Trade for or trade away one of your many wares. Uh, ask, what can I do for you? Say, I have a deal for you. And give them a token if they hear you out and consider it. Oh, I like that. I'm kind of digging the know someone who can help because, you know, work at, working at her parents' inn, she would have met a lot of people. You, you don't have to choose one. You have all of them. Oh, you just have them. Yeah, those yeah. are the things oh, you can always do. Awesome. Yeah. This Even is a <laughs> this is very much a generous game of of nice. maximalism because this is a I I didn't mention this but maybe people have picked up on it is that this is a diceless system you know we're not rolling for anything we'll fail where it makes sense and we'll succeed where it makes sense um, but yeah no absolutely you can always do those things which is there's also something else down here it says during each seasonal holiday choose one you haven't chosen before and it gives me a lot of options that's yes. level up system so that is the level up system in this game so I see okay it's very neat each session. Um, that we play, um, there is assumed to be a length of time that has passed. You know, we're always traveling on the road. And that's why at the beginning of the session, we always ask the same questions. Where have we just come from? Where have we arrived? Where do we hope to go? Um, and essentially after three or four sessions, I forget exactly what the length of time is. We, and we can kind of define it ourselves. Um, a season ends. And at the end of each season, there's a holiday. And so we'll celebrate that holiday and characterize that together. I sent a screenshot to the group chat, actually, of all the holidays. It's very cute. And it also describes shortly what the season is like. And at the end of that season, you get to pick one of those things. And it's like a level up. And then I think for all playbooks, I could be wrong, but I think for all playbooks, once you have chosen all the level up options, you retire your character. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It, is, uh, it is a game that almost forces a retiree because we've told the story, uh, which gives us a hard cap on like sessions for this game, which is I find really interesting. Well, yeah, it's it's neat, right? Because it ultimately, in theory, it does give you a hard cap, but something that we can do um, that is very flexible and the game's very open about this is like we can choose to have had no time pass between each session that we do. You know, if we if we end a session and we feel like man, I really want to stay here and like see this thing out or whatever. When we start our next session, we can 100% have been there still. Is that um, our loophole? What's that? Is that our loophole? Yeah, more or less. It's to, to stop Rianne from having a crisis about her, her character eventually uh, eating a god or something. Um, <laughs> Who would do a thing like that? <laughs> not this one. Um, this campaign. <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I really like that. I, I, I do think that ending a, a character in a playbook is a very nice thing because it, it sort of lends itself to the easy transience that this game sort of romanticizes, um, which I love. Well, you know, you're always passing through, you're always kind of in and out of, of different stories and different lives and your time is limited. So I'm realizing more and more that this is probably going to be 
a session zero for us uh, because we, st- we still have a lot of work to do and it's good work uh, because it's the work of setting up the place that we're entering, uh, which I think is rad. Um, so what the game asks you to do is select three natures for the place. Um, now a nature um, describes the type of place that we are. Um, and it, it can be anything from a comfortable nature, a verdant nature, or a liminal nature. So something like liminal is like spaces between. So we could be like on a bridge, on an island, in a tavern, that kind of thing. Comfortable, farm, garden, market, monastery, workshop, verdant, field, glen, hollow, hillock, hillock lagoon, swamp, etc. We need to decide on three natures for the place that we are. Well, uh, where are we starting? I mean, if if my parents' inn is kind of like a linchpin in this, do we just want to start there? Well, the idea is that we've traveled away from that. That's oh, correct. We've, we're already gone. Where 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 are we arriving? Is what we're I designing. See. We are okay. we are sort of starting. Do you know what in media res means? Nope. So in media res for Brianne and for the viewers who may not know, uh, listeners, um, is the idea of starting a story in the middle of an action. Ah, so I like see. if you've ever started a book that starts in the middle of an action scene or I starts in the middle of a sentence, right? In Reedia Res is one of my favorite ways to start stories um, that I write personally. Um, it just kind of gets you right into there. It cuts the bullshit. Um, so like for us, it's more interesting that we start having already traveled from somewhere. We've been traveling together for a while and this is just, it's like the camera pans in on us entering this village or wherever we're entering. And it's like, now we're getting to, you know, view this story. Um, and, and, you know, we have a past and we have um, a future now. Uh, and so what kind of place do we want to enter? I know we had talked about, Nick and I had talked about briefly um, entering sort of a a, a bigger place um, for a celebration. Um, it's the, the uh, like either, either the, f- huh? Like a festival? Yeah. Like either, a, it's, it is either the fifth or 10th anniversary of this war ending. Um, I don't know what we want to decide on ultimately. It's I all like, I like fifth. Okay, uh, and then well, that's fine with me. We will go with fifth. Um, so it's been five years since since the war has ended, um, and I think that there's a celebration happening uh, in this village. Um, and I think let me see here. Okay, so here is the full list of natures: comfortable natures, verdant natures, liminal natures, sprawling natures. Lonely natures and desolate natures, which is very interesting. Um, hmm. I feel like sprawling might be a good place to start because uh, one of them is carnival. I wonder oh, if it's yeah. a carnival. I like carnival. Okay. It almost makes me think it's like, um, what is that city here in the U.S. that's literally just like has a party street dedicated? That's New Orleans? New Orleans, yeah. Is this place just New Orleans? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's like. Um, Less beads. Because to describe <laughs> a place as a carnival, then it, the fact that it's a carnival of an occasion, but the place itself is described as a carnival. Yeah, that's interesting. What is that street? There's like a there's like one street in New Orleans that's known for it. Yeah, it's um, Party Street. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it called Bourbon Street? Oh yeah, Bourbon Street. I think street. you're right. Yeah, it's something like that. Uh, it's you know something about rampant alcoholism. <laughs> um, cool. The name, so the name you... of the city's Bourbon now. I like that. Welcome to the town of Bourbon. 
where everyone is just fucking smashed all the time. Smashed all the time. Hey, you can't be smashed if you're working heavy machinery making the bourbon. Yeah. Hey, listen, the the Ferris wheel operator, he does not inspire confidence. Uh, Okay, so that's one nature. I think uh, one that may be easy, and for those, uh, I think Brianna and Nick, I know you both have the PDF, uh, on page 137 is the natures if you guys want to look and see if any stick out to you. It might be cool to have it have a verdant nature and have it be like a glen or in a big open field. What is a glen? That's a great question. I don't even know. Let's find out. Um, I really, really like the idea of this being like in a lagoon or swamp um, because they're so often characterized as like sad and like uh, mm. dark places. But I really love the like visual image of like this very cool party city and light reflecting off of the water. Oh man, water. like lanterns yeah. reflecting off the water. That's yeah. very good. Like that's immediately what came to my mind. And like also, of course, my snake guy loves going through a swamp because he doesn't have to carry some of his weight by going through the water. All right, let's I oh. think I think a swamp is perfect. It says uh this and what's nice is that each page has um each nature has a page dedicated to it with more information about that. Um, So a swamp is a place where the air is as thick as the mud. This place can always describe the heaviness of the world, show tension caused by stagnation, uh, or bog someone and bog someone down and give them a token. Um, But I really do love the, the, the juxtaposition there of like, welcome to bourbon. It's humid as shit here. Um, But man, you're going to have a great time. Like it it is, it is party city. uh, And, um, of course, the festival would be here, and that's that's great. Um, okay, a third and final nature. Um, I'll take a suggestion from somebody on this one. Liminal might be something worth looking at. Mirage sounded interesting. Ooh, Mirage is very interesting. Let me take a look at that that page as I hit some very heavy plosives or, there. Or labyrinth, but I don't know if that necessarily matches up. I was also thinking um, port, but I like the interestingness of Mirage quite a bit. Man, a Mirage is a place that doesn't really exist. This place can Ooh. always describe something too good to be true. Kind of like a Feywild situation. Show someone Getting real dark. Show someone lost in their folly, or decide something in front of someone is real, and then ask, "Do you believe what you see?" Give them a token if they're wrong. Yeah, it's definitely because um, if we're going with Mirage, it's immediately like, yeah, it's a party city, but, you know, it's still got the ramifications of the war being five years ago. Well, like it's a party city, but like, what does that mean? Ultimately, you know, for the passers through, like, that's great for the, the people, people that live here. It? You know, that's a That's a very interesting take on Mirage and a very interesting take on the phrase. This place is not real. Like, mm-hmm. I certainly think this place exists mm-hmm. and is a real place. But, but much like New Orleans and like Vegas, it's a sheen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a front. Exactly. Uh, and there is there's a lot of room. There's a lot of potential for darkness under that that we will have to be minimal with and back off on. Well, if we want to back off on like that for Mirage, we can always go with Mirror. What does Mirror say? Mirror is more like it'll show you things you don't want to see, but it reflects the nature of what you're trying to see. Mm. I like so that. the way it's described is describe what looks back, reflect back something someone didn't want to see, ask what is it about your reflection that unnerves you, 
and give them a token. That's a, I think that's a very good middle ground for what we're trying to do. In a physical way, that actually makes sense. Because it's a swamp, so much water, we're literally seeing our reflection and, almost yeah, all the time. Yeah, I was going to say mirror works because we're literally describing the acts of a festival reflecting in the water like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe seeing yourself in the water reflected through these explosions as your background is unsettling because mm-hmm. uh, the water is never resting because the of course the explosions cost i imagine fireworks are going off like every hour sure um oh dude the the folklore for this place is so good too uh the march of countless footsteps the ghost whose name cannot be spoken Ooh. the very edge of the world something else of your own invention Ooh, dang the very edge good. of the world. The very edge of the world is so... Uh, like, Brianne, you have mm-hmm. very nice handwriting. Will you take a page from Ashley, um, and we're going to write down some stuff about this place. Um, we will end there, because I want this to be a collaborative thing yes. through and through. Um, but, uh, yeah, we will pick it up um, and finish recording this episode then. So, until then, I love you all. <laughs> and interrupt. Hi, this is Editing Dan. Uh, we had initially planned to meet back up and finish sort of the world set up for our campaign, uh, but we sort of realized that we had ended on a good spot um, and we should really just get into the, the dang old game. Um, and so we do that. Um, episode one should be live now. We plan on uh, posting them at the same time. So uh, go ahead and just hop right there and we uh, establish the place of bourbon and, and who's there. And um, I, I, I think we tell a pretty good story. Um, it's... It's uh, we're all feeling really good about this system and we hope that you'll join us and and enjoy it. And uh, in the meantime, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, Leave us a review. If you like what you hear, it really helps. uh, Or so that's what every podcast I've ever heard says. Uh, And yeah, tell a friend, man. Um, We're going to hope to keep these going as often as we can. So uh, thanks for listening again to We Like the Idea. I'm Dan. Uh, My co-hosts were Nick, Brianne and Ash. Um, And we will see you next time when we enter the swamp town of Bourbon. Take care. Love you a bunch. Bye.